Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Third chapter of the book of Romans. This series is called the Faith Series. This is the second lesson on the importance of faith. The importance of faith, entitled The Importance of Faith. We gave you many scriptures, beginning with Romans, the first chapter, verse 16 and 17. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, unto the Jew and unto the Greek. For therein, in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, in that gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The importance of faith. The just shall live by faith. Then we said over there in Ephesians, the second chapter, in verse 8, For we are saved how? For by grace are ye saved through what? Through faith. And then we said over there in Second Corinthians 5 and 7, For we walk by, by what? By what? By faith and not by sight. And then over there in 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of what? Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight of faith that we're fighting. And in that fight we said we overcome the world by our, by our faith. We quench every fire dart of the devil by the shield of faith. Faith. And we walk in the Spirit by walking by which overcomes or allows us to not be dominated by the flesh. Then, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you like to please God? I like to please God. Don't you like to please God? Jesus pleased God in all that He did because He did it all by, by faith. By faith, by faith. And upon the basis, you know, the basis, this was the basis, these scriptures, and there are more, there are more, but these are just a few, but these are important scriptures. But on the basis of these scriptures, we made the statement that you can never be overbalanced in faith. You can never be overbalanced in what? Never be overbalanced in faith. You cannot be overbalanced in faith. Oh, I'll tell you what, you'll learn the importance of faith. When you find yourself lying on a sick bed somewhere saying, Would to God I knew how to get healed. Then you say, Oh, now I know why he preached faith so much. See? See? That's right. I don't want to be that way. I'll let them hear it right now. Well, I'm healthy. Amen? Amen. See? And then we went on to say that faith is to the new covenant what works were to the old or to the Abrahamic covenant. Faith is to the new covenant what works were to the old. Faith is. That's a great statement. Do you know what works were to the old covenant, to the Abrahamic covenant? Under the law? The man that liveth by the law must do the works and keep every one of them. That was their whole life. 
living by the works of the law. Now, faith is to the new covenant, to the covenant that we live in, as what faith, uh, works were to the old or the Abrahamic covenant. Now, in the third chapter, we begin to expound from the first right on to the third. We got up to the fourth, but we're going to go back and just reiterate a few points that we made in the third chapter, where Paul explained, and I said last time, he explained throughout the entire book of Romans, the difference between the law of faith and the law of works. Let's begin reading with verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God which is by faith. Underline all the time, every time you see faith in this book of Romans as we go along. Of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. Underline that phrase there. Through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God had set forth to be the propitiation through faith, through faith, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus, whereas boasting then it is excluded by what law? Of works, nay, but by the law of faith. Faith is a law. Spiritual law. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by what? And the uncircumcision through what? Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Chapter 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Hold your place there. Second Corinthians. I'm sorry, First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Abraham found out something. Well, we found out something about Abraham anyhow, as pertaining to his faith, but look at what he was saying here about works. In the 27th verse. Now remember what we just read. Verse 2 was said this, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath were of the glory, but not before God. But God had chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of, this, of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. For what purpose? That no flesh should glory in His presence. That no flesh should glory in His presence. Whether you be circumcised or whether you be uncircumcised, there will no flesh glory in the presence of God. So they could not attain righteousness by the works of the flesh. Because if they did or if Abraham did, then God would have been indebted to pay him and reward him with righteousness. Let's go on back there to Romans and see. Verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath world to glory, but not before God. No flesh can glory before God. Verse 3. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God. Underline that phrase. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Underline the whole thing. Abraham did what? 
You know how many people I have tell me, well, I believe God didn't get it. Abraham believed God. If you believed God, you'd be rewarded. If you believed God. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. If you believe God, you'll get your reward. If you believe God. See? There's no in-betweens in believing God. If you believe God, you will get. He that believeth hath. He that believeth hath. He that believeth hath eternal life. If you believe God, you have. You have what you believe. Let's go on. And it was accounted him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is, not, is the reward not reckoned of, of grace, but of debt. That's what he was saying. Anybody that's going to get anything from God by works, God would be indebted to give it to you. But you don't get anything from God by works, and you don't earn anything from God, but you get it by faith, through grace. You get it by grace through faith. Whether it be your salvation, whether it be your healing, whether it be the infilling of the Holy Spirit, no matter what it is, you believe God for it. How many of you believe God will be filled with the Spirit? How many believe God will be saved? Now, there's nobody here that believed God that didn't get saved. If you believed, you got saved. If you believe God for the Holy Spirit, you got the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? How many here ever believed God for their healing? Well, you got it then, didn't you? You can't say, I believe God didn't get it because it just doesn't go hand in hand. If you believed, you have. All right, let's go on and read this. I, I t went through this quickly. I want to read it so we can follow it verse by verse. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described it, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith, faith, underline it, was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. That's before he became circumcised. He believed God without the seal of circumcision. And listen, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, and the father of circumcision, to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps, underline this important scripture, those that walk in the steps of that faith, of our father Abraham. That's very important. Of that faith. What faith? That faith back there. Wait till you see something about that faith as we go on in this. You got your shouting clothes ready tonight? You got to be ready. Of that faith. Somebody say, why do you keep talking about Abraham's faith? Because you're supposed to walk in that faith. Of that faith. See? Of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For they which are the, be of the law are of the law be heirs. Faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Now you see, I had you, I had you underline over there in verse twenty-four, chapter three. 
being justified freely by His grace. Well, you are justified freely by His grace through faith. As you start to see, He's unfolding it. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. It is a faith that it might be by grace. A faith. Okay, let's go on. To the end, that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, let's read and keep it in context from verse 17 through 21. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God. He believed. See, Abraham believed. He did believe, even God. Who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Let's stop right there for a moment. What did he promise Abraham? What did he promise Abraham? Okay. Did he just promise him a son? Did he just say, well, you know, Sarah's going to conceive, you're going to have a child? Did he just promise him a son? No, it was more than that. It was more than that. He promised him not just to have a son. He promised him and said to him that he would, through this son, through this seed, would all the nations of the earth be blessed, and he would be the father of all these nations. Now, let's go back and read a few portions of Scripture and show you how God unfolded this to him. Through progressive knowledge, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Go back to Genesis, the 15th chapter. Genesis chapter 15. He calls Abraham... From the Ur of the Chaldees, and he tells him to go off, and so on and so forth. You know the story. He tells him he's going to multiply him, and so on and so forth, and he's going to be blessed through the seed, and etc., etc., but he has no children. Time passes, and time goes on. Chapter 15. The word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. Abraham said, Lord God, what shall I do? So on and so forth. Down to verse 3. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Well, what's he talking about? You remember he had another child, but he had that child through Hagar. He didn't have it through Sarah. And there's something important here which you're going to see as we go along. But let's go over to the 17th chapter. Let's just read some more things. He talks about his seed. He begins to unfold to Abraham that he's going to be this great father of many nations. And he tells him this. And he's about 75 years old when, when the Lord starts all this in his life. 17th chapter. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between, notice, me and thee. Me and thee. 
and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations I have made thee, or have I made thee. I will make thee exceedingly exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee. Now notice this, and thy seed. After thee, in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, and I will give unto thee, and to thy seed. Notice how he keeps talking now about thy seed, thy seed, and thy seed, of thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, I will be their God. Go on down to verse 16. Or 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt call her name Sarah. Sarah is going to be her name, and I will bless her, and give her a son also. Give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, rejoiced, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, I want to say something here. Twenty-five years, twenty-four years have gone by. Abraham was told all these things. He finds out he's supposed to have seed. And you're going to see how he, he operated in the flesh to try to get that seed. But it seems like to me that God was emphasizing to Abraham more the fact that he was going to be the father of many nations and the covenant would be established with Abraham and with his seed after him. And with the seed after him. With the seed after him. And he kept emphasizing that. Well, he finally didn't come down and get explicit until he was 99 years old. And he said, now Sarah, she shall conceive and you'll call his name Isaac. Let's read the next verse there. And God says, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him. Now he's getting more specific. And for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. That's very important. Underline that. You see, he didn't really start to realize that he, he was believing God for this child through Sarah till he was 99 years old. As far as being specific that she would give birth to a son and his name would be Isaac. Remember, Ishmael was about 13 years old. He was 86 years old. Abraham was when uh, he was born. 13 years have come and gone. And that's when he makes this remark and says 99 years old. Why Sarah? What to God? I've got... Ishmael, why don't you let him be the heir? Said, no. Out of your own bowels shall come forth the seed, and his name shall be Isaac. And I'll make my covenant between me and him. But I want you to note that 25 years has gone by. He is establishing this in his spirit. Father of many nations. Father of many nations. Father of a multitude. Father of many nations. That's who you are. My covenant will be established between me and thee and thy seed with him and his seed after him. All right. 
And then he goes on to talk about Ishmael. And, uh, well, let's read right on down through. Let's read verse 21. But my covenant will I establish with who? With Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Now, as far as Abraham really believing for that child, it seems to me more as though that the Lord just spoke to him and said, she's going to have a child, whether you laugh about it or not. What was it then that he was so immovable about? He's been told for 25 years. And you're going to see by the time Isaac was actually offered up, he was believing for 40 years that he would be the father of many nations. And that he was in covenant with the Father God. It took 40-some years to get this into his spirit. But I want you to grab hold of it and see as we go along. Now, Abraham, after all these years of believing God... Believing in his spirit that he, he left, he was set, set apart, so on and so forth. And uh, he had to do what God told him to do in, in progressive revelation. Remember, the Bible's progressive re- revelation. He's revealing a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. But as he reveals a little bit more and more and more and more and more, he keeps telling him this one thing. The covenant will be between, be between me and thee and thy seed and, his, and af- his seed after him. That is the important thing for you to understand at this point. He is making this statement to him over a period of years, all these years. It does not take long, 40 years, for God to heal somebody to have a baby. That's not what he he was implanting into his spirit. Something far greater than that was he implanted into his spirit. Let's go to the 21st chapter and we'll see some more. This isn't exactly in sequence, but we'll grab a hold of it. Let's, let's read from verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, eight day, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God had made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now, Remember all of what's going on. Remember what's all taking place. He's growing up. If he was weaned, he had become an age of accountability. There's some 25 years gone by. I'd say that by the time he was actually offered up over there on the mountain, he was about in his 20s. About 20 years old. So Abraham had 40, approximately, let's say 40, approximately 40 years of being called the father of a multitude. Forty years of hearing God say to him that I have established a covenant between thee and who? His seed and who? His seed after him. Did you get that? Between Abraham, his seed, and and, and Isaac's seed after him. All right. Isaac's seed after him. That's, That's important for you to understand that. Now. Let's read on around verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne on Abraham, mocking, 
Wherefore she said unto him, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And this thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, and because of thy bondwoman, in all that Sarah hath said unto, unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. Now, let's go to the book of Galatians. Let's slip over there and we'll explain it there. The fourth chapter of the book of Galatians. I want you to notice that God was in agreement with casting out the bondwoman and her son. Because he said, this nation will not be blessed in Ishmael. But in Isaac shall the seed be called. In Isaac shall they be blessed. In Isaac and his, his seed. To the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 21. Tell me you that desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? For it is written... That Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was born of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was born was by promise. Which things are an allegory for these are the two covenants. The one from, from the Mount Sinai which gendereth to bondage which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that, thou, that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, we, brethren, as Isaac was, brethren, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. But as then... He that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit. Even so it is now. I think we can say that right now. Right now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. But of the free. What is he saying? Until the bondwoman and her son were cast out, which is the first covenant. It's an allegory. This is a type of the works of the flesh. Abraham, by the workings of his flesh, Sarah said, Maybe you should go in with the bondwoman Hagar. You go ahead and have a child with her. You haven't had a child yet. Maybe God wants you to have it this way. She's still in your house. She'll be called your, you know, he'll, he'll be called an heir. He'll be your son. But the Lord says, No, this is not so. That's a working of the flesh. Man wants to do it his way. But man's not going to do it his way before God. Man will not glory before God. If Abraham had anything to do with it in the workings of the flesh, he would have to glory before God. But he had nothing to do with it by the workings of the flesh. But the Lord had to implant this into his spirit so that it could be by faith that Abraham could be justified before God. But he said, you can't get the second covenant in until you first kick out the first covenant, which was the bondwoman and her son, the law, the workings of the flesh, get it out so that faith could come in. 
faith in the new covenant, born of the Spirit, is what works of the flesh were to the first covenant. Can you see that? Look at that verse again there, 29. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. That's exactly what was going on right at this time. That's exactly what was going on. That's exactly what he was trying to describe. He was trying to, trying to show. Let's go back to Genesis, the 22nd chapter now. And let's see something here about Abraham. And uh, let's establish his faith and what it was in. Remember something. We're not under works, but we're under grace. The works pertain to the flesh, which pertain to the law. Grace pertains to faith, which pertains to the Spirit. People begin in the, in the, in the Spirit by faith, and then they think they're going to get everything else from God by works. Have you begun in the Spirit? Now are you made perfect by the flesh? Now that you go to church three times a week, you think God should heal your body? Now that you pay your tithe, you think you should get this and you should get that. That's not true. That's, he's showing you the difference here. He's showing you the difference between believing God by faith and working to get something from Him. And that's why God resists the, the, the proud and gives grace to the humble. Because you come in by the authority of His Word, not by what you have done. Well, let's go back to the 22nd chapter. I want to show you something that, that Abraham believed. All this time, all this time, we're up to about 40 years of him hearing this. I have made thee a father of many nations. Between you and your seed and your seed's seed. It got to the point that he knew that his seed would be Isaac. His name would be Isaac. It got to the point he knew the covenant would be between him and Isaac. Between God and Isaac. And his seed after him. Alright? That's who it would be with. And so he knew that Isaac had to be born, which he was. And he knew that Isaac had to have seed. He knew Isaac had to have seed. Isn't that right? Abraham knew that Isaac had to have seed. Here's what happens. Came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. Here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him up for a burnt offering. Uh, Upon one of the mountains which I tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder in worship and come again to you. I and the lad will. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And he went both, both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father. And he said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And, a and Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And if you never understood anything in Scripture, underline that and understand that. This is prophetic of God the Father giving His only begotten Son. God will provide Himself an offering. I want you to notice that Abraham's confession lined up with his faith. 
The confession of his mouth lined up with the confession of his heart. It took 40 years to get this into his heart. It took 40 years for God the Father to establish within the spirit of Abraham that in Isaac would all the nations of the world be blessed, would the, co- would the covenant be with him, and Isaac had to have seed. Isaac had to have seed. So when this came about, Abraham could speak boldly from his heart and say the words like, I and the lad will return, will come again unto you. And when his son asked him, where is the offering? He said, don't be concerned about it. God will provide himself an offering. Words of faith. And I'm going to show you why those words of faith were spoken, but let's finish this. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in, it in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar of the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, saying, Thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called on Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless, bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars out of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, go to the book of Hebrews. We're not done yet. But we've got to establish it first and then we'll preach it. Now, here it is. Forty-some-odd years. Built into his spirit. So strong inside his spirit. So developed inside his spirit. The spirit of Abraham. Not that Sarah would conceive a child. Listen to me. But that Abraham, through this seed, would have a covenant with God through the seed that all the nations of the world would be blessed. That he would be the father of many nations and his seed after him. Up until this point that he goes up to the mountain to offer up his son Isaac. As I said, which is a type of Christ being offered up. Let's look at something here. 11 chapter verse 16. Well, let's start with, let's look at 17. By faith, 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac... And he that had received the promises, he that had what? Had what? Had received the promises. Okay. Offered up Isaac. He that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. What promise did he receive? That which he promised, he was able to perform. What did he promise? That you'd be the father of many nations. He was able to do what? He was able to perform. Under what circumstances? Well, he went on to say here in the next verse, God said, Of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Abraham had it inside his spirit and had already received it in his spirit 
that in Isaac would the seed be called, Isaac yet being without seed, but in Isaac would the seed be called. He had that so developed inside his spirit that the next verse, we can read it together, accounting that God was able, accounting, in other words, concluding or coming to the conclusion that God was capable and powerful and mighty enough, now listen, to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. God had implanted this so deeply into the heart of Abraham that he believed that God was able to keep that which he promised or to perform that which he had spoken. And he had spoken that in, in Isaac would the seed be blessed. And he had that so developed in his spirit that even when Abraham saw nobody raised from the dead, he knew that in his spirit now so developed, he knew that even if he killed Isaac, he knew that God was able... Powerful enough, mighty enough, capable enough of raising him up from the dead from whence he already received him in a figure. Abraham already saw in his spirit that he was the father of many nations through Isaac and he's already received him as even raised up from the dead should he have to kill him. And so when he went up on that mountain, he was so full of faith. He was so full of the faith of God. He was so full of that faith, that faith of Abraham. He was so filled with the faith of God that even death could not stand in his way. The death of his only begotten son, the death of Isaac did not mean that the promise of God would be of none effect. He knew that the death of Isaac meant God had to raise him from the dead. That's what he knew. That's what he knew. That's what he knew in his spirit. He had to do it. Now, let's go back to Romans. Now, and being fully persuaded in verse 21 that what he had promised, he was able also to perform... And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. To whom it shall be imputed if we believe. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to him that if we believe on who? On him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Look at the next verse. Therefore, being justified by... By what? You know what that's saying? The same faith that operated with Abraham is the same faith that operates in your spirit. When you saw Jesus through the eye of the Spirit, you saw Him in your spirit raised from the dead for your justification. You have received Him as Abraham received Isaac. And it was the same faith that operated in your life 
to get you justified before God and in right standing with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, you have peace with God. But look at the next scripture. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're ready to shout. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Now the scripture said the just shall live. That's being born again. Are you born again? And shall live by... Alright, now let me stop right there. You started in the Spirit, he said, when you were justified by faith, but now you are living your life after the flesh. But Paul said, we've been born of the Spirit of God, we're justified by faith and grace, but now by faith, same faith that saved us, you have access into the grace wherein you stand. Therefore, let us come boldly under the throne of grace by faith that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And that's why believers do not know how to find grace to help in their time of need because they don't know how to get there by faith. But Ephesians 3 and 12 says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. What boldness? What access? What confidence? Having therefore boldness, brethren, let us enter into the holiest by the blood of the everlasting covenant. You know what he's saying here? Tie that scripture in with Romans 3.24, being justified freely by His grace. Therefore, by faith we were justified. Okay, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But now, beloved, listen. It is by faith you have access into the holiest of all to receive grace and mercy to find and help in any time of need. Yeah, I grant you that a lot of people have been born again. But they don't know how to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus because it's only by faith that you can enter in. By faith you enter in. By faith, not by works. So you've begun in the Spirit, he said, by faith, and now are you justified by the flesh? God forbid. We have access into the grace that... I'm standing in the grace of God right now. But the only access I have to that grace that I'm in is faith. Can you see the importance of faith? Some people are just, well, I've gone to church, like I said. I've done this, I've read my Bible, I've done that, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done this. Not why didn't the Lord heal me? Well, now this, dear sister so-and-so, she's been coming to church for 30 years. She's been faithful three times a week for 30 years, paid her tithes, every, never missed a tithe, never missed a payment on her tithes, and, and was faithful and cleaned the church and did this and did that. And lived. I mean, just dear God, she's just a beloved sister. I mean, you know, no, no, why, now why in the world, why didn't she heal? It's a shame to say this. But the church has majored in the minors. I'm not talking about works that correspond to faith. We're talking about works of the flesh. You never get healed by the works of the flesh. You never get delivered by the works of the flesh. You never get set free by the works of the flesh. Why do you think we got nice churches with nice programs? With people that are sick, with people that are bound, with people that just 
financially bad, people whose marriages are on the rocks. Why do you think the majority of the body of Christ down through the years has been bound up like this? And when you start to preach a little bit of faith, they say, boy, you're just overbalanced in faith. All you do is preach faith. I'll tell you what, it's time that we start to preach faith. And it's time we start to realize that faith is the access into the grace of God. And it's time that we start to realize that it's faith only that takes the place of the works of the law in this, in this dispensation right now. It's by faith and by faith alone. Anything you do for God, you do by faith. You want to walk in love? We walk by... Walk in the light. Anything you walk in, you walk by... Anything you do for God in this dispensation, you do by... Live for Him by faith. Fight by faith. Walk by faith. Love by faith. Sanctified by faith. Set apart by faith. Everything you do for God is by faith. Get healed by faith. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. He didn't say, daughter, you cleaned the church for the last 20 years. On the grounds of your faithfulness, be healed. He didn't say that. Well, why don't I get it? Beloved, if you believe God, you'll get it. I said if you believed God, you have. And you will get it. Oh, that should excite you right now and just set up hope right in your heart. Blessed be God. Amen. And then say he believed God and it was counted to him for nothing. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And it was the faith of the operation of God that was in opera- operating right there. And I'll tell you what. Abraham was so cool with his faith. Abraham, he knew that he was so deep in faith. He got that knife and just stood before that altar. And he knew that he, he just ready to just let her rip. Just let her right on rip. Just let her right on down. Just kill him right there. Just like that. God had to move. Oh. Reminds me of Smith Wigglesworth. He had to move. He had to send an angel down there to stop that man. You know why? He put, God to the, he put God to the limit. Oh, hath God said? Father, you said it. Now watch me. Amen. You watch it. You watch it, Father. You said it. I'm going to do it. You've got to keep your word. Beloved, how can any man go off try to kill, ready to kill his son like that if God did not mean what he said? And if he didn't mean what he said, why did he say it? Oh, but he meant what he said. Let me put it to you like this. When you get off into faith, God is going to move. If He's got to send an angel down, you'll know you're in faith. And if you hold off, you're on your faith unto the end, God has to move. If He's got to send angels down to protect somebody. Boy, I'll tell you what, I could just preach the fifth chapter of Romans right now. Right now, but I'm not going to do it. You just go ahead. Let's read verse 2 again. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice... In hope of the glory of God. It's by faith. It's by faith. Let's go over to this uh, third chapter of the book of Galatians. It's by faith. Now, that's all right. That's all right. You know. We're talking big words. We're talking a lot about faith. We're talking about what Abraham did. We're talking about... Uh, the faith of Abraham. We're talking about how he believed God. How it was going to him for righteousness. Beloved, we're to live by that same faith. We're justified by the same kind of faith. 
But Paul in this book of Romans is separating the difference between the law and faith. The law of works and the law of faith. The first covenant, the second covenant. Now let's go to the second, the third chapter of the book of Galatians. And uh, verse 2. Let's start with that. We read this before. This only would I learn of you receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith. It, I don't like faith. Everywhere you see it here. Even as Abraham believed God, it was counted him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture therefore, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. For then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. They which be of faith. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise, the promise, the promise, that Abraham received the promise, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through... Verse 29, And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's why we can say Abraham's blessings are mine. We're not taking it out of context when we go back and get the blessings of Abraham and say they're mine. I've been delivered from every curse of sickness and every curse of disease. We've been delivered from the curse of sin and death. We've been delivered from all that curse of the old covenant. But blessed be God, the law served its purpose. As we read this whole chapter in context, it served its purpose. It was a schoolmaster. It taught us of Christ. It was fulfilled. It did what it was supposed to do. The law got out of the way. It's over. It's done with. And if you're a Jew, Jesus Christ is the end of the law and the works of the flesh. Now come and just be freely justified by faith. And you'll not just be made a natural seed. You will be made a supernatural seed of Abraham. Through Jesus Christ. And an heir according to this fact, you are in covenant with the Father God. You have a covenant with the Father God. You are one with Him in that covenant. Through Jesus Christ. He is your shield. Your exceeding great reward. He is your El Shaddai. The God that's more than enough in your life. You are in blood covenant with the Father God. That's what he's saying right here. Romans the 6th chapter talks about the flesh. And how you can keep under that flesh by walking in the newness of life. I'm not going to take the time to get into it. Romans the seventh chapter talks about. See, people take this out of context. He's talking about when I was under the law, my flesh, and so on and so forth. I could not live like I wanted to live. I did wrong all the time. And he starts talking about these laws. He's explaining this difference, making this contrast throughout the entire book of Romans. But it goes on towards the end of that chapter. He says, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Blessed be God. Thank God through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I've been delivered from this body of death. Romans 8 chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the... Walk not. Walk not. How do you walk? 
by flesh, by the works of the flesh. No, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life. Are you ready? Is the law of faith. Has made us free from the law of sin and death, the law of work. Someone said, why did that old... I know he's saved, but I saw him doing wrong. He was doing wrong. I'll tell you what. He was in... I saw him what he was doing. He was living in sin. I know so on and so forth. He came to church the next day and got healed. Just like that. Some dear old sister sitting there for 30 and never got healed. How come? It doesn't work by what you do. If he asked God to forgive him, he knew how to appropriate the law of faith. He got forgiveness and he got his healing. You came on, on, the, on the basis that you've been serving him for, for 30 years. You never get anything with God like that. Never, 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 never. You don't come on that basis to God. Okay, Romans the 8th chapter. He goes on and he says, he, now look at the third verse. This is very important now. To prove to you and show you that he, in this, it, this is progressive knowledge showing he, he, through his own life. How he's contrasting the works of the flesh with the workings of the law. I mean, with the working of the law of faith. And he says over in the third verse, for what the law could not do. He's explaining what he was saying in chapter 7. The law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For, and he goes on to explain some things about being in the Spirit and being in the flesh. But go on down. Therefore, verse 12, Brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit... By faith, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He's showing you the separation. He's showing you the difference. You don't any longer serve God by the workings of the flesh. You can only please God by faith, by the Spirit, by walking in the Spirit, by the things of the Spirit. The new covenant pertains to the spirit of man. But man is so wrapped up in the good deeds that he does. You should spend more time meditating the Word of God than anything else and building faith into your spirit like he did 47 years to Abraham and you have enough to raise him from the dead too. That's how you serve God in this dispensation right now. Well, there's many things he said in this 8th chapter that we can get into, but let's go to the ninth chapter to show, you, to show you the format of this. I say the truth in Christ. Well, he just talked about the workings of the flesh in the 7th chapter and how he could not fulfill it. The 8th chapter, he talks about the two laws and how he was free from that one law. At the end of the 8th chapter, it doesn't sound like he's having problems with the flesh. He says, nay, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And height, nor depth, principalities, powers, angels, etc., etc., they can't keep me from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. Ninth chapter, he goes on, and I'll show you what he's talking about. Verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could <clears throat> wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertained the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. He's talking about Israel. He's, can you imagine loving somebody so much you could want yourself to be a curse from Christ just so they can be saved? That's what he's talking about in this ninth chapter. He's bringing these two things together. He's trying to separate these two things. He's showing the difference between these two covenants. He's trying to stop them from entangling these two covenants. Don't get justified by faith and then go off and live by works and think God's supposed to meet your needs. No. It's, you started in faith. You've got to live by faith to have access into this grace. He explains it about the potter and the clay. He's not talking about you, beloved. 
He's talking about the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles, how the word of the Lord came unto the Jew, and how man's heart was designed and made so that if you receive the word, it would produce faith. If you don't receive the word, it will produce unbelief and hardness of your heart. God made you that way, and that's just the way we're made. We can't do anything about it, except receive the word. Now go to the 30th verse of that chapter, 9. Like I said, I'm giving you a rough draft. What shall we then say? That the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel which followed after the law? See, he's talking about Israel and, and the Gentiles. But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness have not attained to the law of righteousness? Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith. But as it were, by works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now, are you ready? Our great tenth chapter. Look, at he's still talking about Israel and the Gentile. Look at Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of the righteousness and of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses, listen to this fifth verse. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth. The righteousness of the law is the man does. Listen. The man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the just shall live by faith. Now listen to verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh. The righteousness of the law works. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. It doesn't work, it speaks. Say not in that heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from heaven, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the deep, uh, from the dead. But what saith it? The word is ninety in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is the power of God unto what? Salvation to everyone that what? That believeth, if you shall believe in your heart, and if you shall confess with your mouth, then the mighty dunamis power of God, the miracle-working power of God, will go into operation. It will go into effect. This kind of faith speaketh, and the power of God will transform your life, and you will be saved. It doesn't work. It speaks. Now, you take that principle right there. That principle right there. And don't get it out of balance. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew and to the Greek. Deliverance, preservation, soundness, healing, safety, refuge, whatever you want. And by that same faith, you have access into the grace wherein you stand. Let's read it. 
The Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of, good, of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not, have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Then he goes on to explain how Israel did not hear and did not receive, and therefore... It was counted unto them for unbelief. They stayed under the works of the flesh. They could not be justified before God. And he goes on to talk about in the 11th chapter. He continues to talk about... Hallelujah. We've got to close it right here. <laughs> but I'm not done. <laughs> Glory to God. No, the 11th chapter, he talks about the same thing. Right fast. Israel... And the Greeks. Matter of fact, let's, let's read right through there. Let's read from verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their son went into all the earth and their words under the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy. Then that are not a people. And by a foolish nation will I, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. It was all intended to bring them to a place with all this foreknowledge of God, with all the oracles of God. They got to a place of understanding the covenant. They should have got to a place of knowing Jesus Christ. And when they did, they had that limited knowledge, that limited righteousness, that limited grace. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.